0: Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Driving to the Basket. Uh, My name is Mike. I'm here with Tommy, and let's launch straight into this. Uh, We're recording this right after the Pistons' win against the Magic, and let's just start out by talking a bit about the game. So what were your thoughts, Tommy?
1: Yeah, so I thought this was probably one of the best wins, or best games that the Pistons have played so far this season. Uh, The first half Rough, uh, not good at all. The Magic were getting into the paint at will, they were scoring, uh, basically however they wanted. Uh, they were even getting uh, uncontested mid range shots uh, where one Magic player would drive and he would get into the restricted area and then he would turn around and he would give it up to somebody who would have two feet in the paint and he would have plenty of space around him. So, uh, not a good showing by the Pistons early on. The Magic went on a, a run. But the Pistons were able to go on a run of their own and kind of keep it uh, close enough so that when they got to the second half, uh, they came out looking like a completely different team. Honestly, Uh, they shot well, the Pistons did, and um, uh, they kind of had Orlando off balance like Orlando was the one who uh, they weren't able to adjust to the Pistons early on in that second half.
0: All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It was really a tale of two halves. Uh, the first half, I thought the Pistons just looked particularly awful. I mean, I, we went into it. I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, you've got an Orlando team uh, playing without its two best players and Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vučević, and the Pistons were it, it was just like um, that, you know, are we really going to see another game like this where the Pistons just completely crap the bed. And when is this going to end? Uh, in the first half, I mean, defense wasn't too bad, I thought. But the offense just really looked very Dwayne Casey-like, which means the Pistons were just taking ugly shots. They were taking bad shots. Uh, it was just – it was an offense that – and this has happened forever with Dwayne Casey, that he just falls back in isolation. So it was it was just constant isolations. The ball wasn't moving. The Pistons weren't getting good shots. They were taking a lot of bad shots. Like the first possession of the game, Bruce Brown, uh, you know, he got the ball, he took it up the floor. He stood about five feet from the top of the key and dribbled it for about 15 seconds, uh, waiting for somebody to come help him, I guess. Cause you know, at this stage of his career, he can't really beat people in isolation. Uh, and then it ended with Langston Galloway taking a bad three and it's like, Oh God. So in the second half, they came out and actually ran an offense and that was good. Uh, you know in, in terms of the game as a whole, a lot of guys had good games. Drummond ended up in in foul trouble again. Uh, he just didn't really if the Pistons are running a good offense, he just doesn't really have much of a place in it, which is concerning. but he also didn't really look like he cared all that much uh, about the game. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, but it was it was definitely good to squeeze out a win. Obviously the Pistons cannot be throwing away any games at all at this stage.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was really happy with the, the shot selection, and part of it might have to do with, as you said, Andre was in foul trouble, so a lot of other guys uh, got more touches. Uh, Luke was six, uh, had uh, three threes. He shot six of 11 overall. Svea was four of nine, four of eight from three. And then Bruce Brown, uh, he's kind of impressed me these last couple games, uh, especially in the game. Uh, against Atlanta, where he was guarding Trey Young. Uh, first game of the season, he was he came out and he uh, looked out of control on defense, and Trey definitely took advantage of that. Uh, he was coaxing a lot of fouls out of Bruce. He was kind of playing out of control. And uh, one of the first possessions in that Atlanta game, uh, I thought it was going to happen again because Bruce was moving around a lot. He was like overactive on defense. And I, I believe Trey uh, got a fall out of him, and I thought, "Oh, here it comes!" You know, th- this is going to be another good game from Trey. And uh, Bruce had even said that he was looking forward to that rematch. But no, after that point, Bruce he got himself under control and he played really well, honestly, against Trey Young. Uh, Trey did not have a good game. I don't remember it was like single-digit scoring, uh, which is unusual for Trey. He was been having a pretty good year uh, overall. I uh, th- actually, I think he's in a, a bit of a slump before that, but, but still, uh, Bruce Brown played really nicely against Trey young. And it's kind of given me real hope for the first time about Bruce Brown, not just the, the defense, but the fact that he's been shooting threes and making them in an acceptable clip. I think he's shooting over 30% on the year, which I wouldn't have predicted that, uh, he still has a very slow three-point shot, and he doesn't take them very often, but if he can just become 34%, 35% three-point shooter, even on low volume, uh, to the point where if he's standing in the corner, somebody has to be on him, that would just be huge, not only for his game, but for a guy like Blake Griffin, who a lot of times it was Bruce's man who was coming to defend him. and. you you definitely hope that Bruce can continue to impress uh, both defensively and offensively in a way that uh, benefits the Pistons and himself. Yeah, I I agree. Um, It's, I
0: mean, I will say first and foremost that though Bruce has had a a couple of, uh, a couple of fairly good games as starting point guard. It's, it's really not an ideal role for him. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's done pretty well on defense, but uh, the, the offense notwithstanding his better shooting and uh, he's, he's certainly better uh, at driving to the basket uh, no pun intended um, so oh, <laughs> with the name of the show in any event, he's certainly gotten better at uh, going downhill to the basket uh, however he's uh, though he's certainly made improvements from last season he's still pretty darn raw and he can just as easily come out and have an absolutely terrible night uh, it's yeah, good to see him yeah. shooting threes better yeah he's uh, I'd like to see him take them more because he really passes up a lot of them uh, his defense has been better than it was last season is a lot less foul prone. I thought as, uh, as I've said earlier on the show, in previous episodes, I thought his defense last season was extremely overrated, uh, because he just, he did a horrible job of defending the three point line. He was beaten easily on picks and he was, uh, insanely foul prone. Uh, he's, he's made improvements as a pick and roll defender. Definitely. He doesn't foul anymore. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's all around done well on defense, but. Like I said, it's a question of role, and of uh, you got uh, And certainly, it's very encouraging if if he can become a good offensive player, then he'll be a rotation staple uh, probably for seasons to come. It's great. You got a super hardworking guy who's who's definitely uh, a good defender. Uh, he's very athletic. Uh, if he can score as well, great. He's he's also I think got real potential as a team leader. Uh, but it's I think it's going to be perpetually a question of what position he should play. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever really be a full-fledged, uh, ball handler, a guy who can, who can really play point guard, uh, whatever the case it's like, um, when Reggie Jackson comes back, which is hopefully soon, I think they said tonight that they're still pegging early December. I have my doubts because, you know, stuff at the back is, you know, it's just no back injuries are notoriously fickle on how a guy's going to look. But when Bruce comes back, uh, what's his role? Uh, does Casey kick Luke Kennard back into the starting line, back in, onto the bench? I mean, there are merits to that because, you know, that's it's it's easier competition for him on both ends. Uh, but then you're losing your best shooter from the starting lineup and he's replaced by Bruce Brown. It is not ideal. I, I think you're mm-hmm. never going to want to have Bruce Brown out there with Andre if you can help it because they're both not – neither one is really a bona fide spacing threat. So, but, I mean, what do you see happening to the rotation when, when both uh, – uh, with regards to Brown when both Snell and, uh, and Jackson are back?
1: Uh, I mean, I really hope by that point, maybe Bruce keeps showing up with this three ball that he's kind of developed. Uh, if he does, that would make it a lot easier of a decision for me. I would actually keep him in the starting lineup. I, I know Luke uh, has been playing well. He had a few nice games uh, uh, starting, but the defensive combo of, Jackson and Kennard is just – it's really not good, and uh, it's going to lead to a lot of breakdowns. And so if, if if Bruce can show up there, that would just make it a lot easier. And the, you know, the other thing you have to consider is that Sve is starting to show up a little bit. Obviously, you want to keep him on the bench and keep his minutes uh, not super high, but uh, he, he comes off as like a spark plug on offense, and he can give you a few – uh threes if you can get him open. So there are options. It's just none of them stand out really. What would yeah. you do? Uh, <laughs> it's it's more else
0: like you say, I mean, uh if if Brown can uh because if Jackson comes back, Brown has the ball a whole lot less. Uh so in that situation he's he's gotta be able to he's gotta be able and willing uh from the three point line. And if you can't do that then you know you have the same problem you had last season you've got a guy who's very bad off ball uh, and you're asking him to play an off ball role. In that case, I say you keep Gennard on the floor because his offense is just much more valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you know, and this would be, a, it, this would take a huge leap from him. Uh, if he's able to hit those threes at, uh, you know, 35% then uh, or mid thirties, we'll call it reliably, you know, yeah. we're, we're calling reliably reliably is not, you know, do really well one game and then horribly the next two, uh, then, you know, then fantastic. You, you got an extra defender on the floor. You got a guy who was pretty good at running the fast break and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but if you can't do that, I, I don't think you can repeat last season's experience. I think uh, I think that's just asking for trouble. As far as Svi goes, yeah, he had a really good uh, game this evening. I think, so Svi, as we saw in summer league, though, in my opinion, had a very bad summer league. He was very, very turnover prone, didn't shoot particularly well. But he's, he's got some... Uh, some skills as a ball handler. He's, he's a good passer. He's good at um, he's good at finding the open man. It, but I always thought that's just because, I mean, even though he's fairly, fairly athletic, uh, you know, the crocodile arms really don't help. Uh, that That's a major disadvantage when you're trying to score at the basket. Uh, and more or less, I saw his role from the moment uh, that the Pistons acquired him as shooting specialist. Now, if he can do mm-hmm. what he did tonight and just go out and, you know, be invisible on defense, which means he's not making too many errors, uh, that the guy is incredibly foul prone, <laughs> you know, because he's just, he, he's not ready to defend it at the NBA level. But if he can just go out there and be a, and be a highly reliable three-point shooter, we you just throw in the corner, you play him maybe 10, 15 minutes a game tops, then great. Of course, I think he's the first guy out of the rotation when Jackson, if Jackson and Snell are both back because then you, you're not taking Brown out of the rotation. Obviously, you're not taking Kennard or Galloway out of the rotation right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so, I mean, Svea is a wing, sure. Um, but you've got to find minutes uh, on the wing for Kennard, Snell, Galloway, and um, and Brown. And that just leaves nothing for unless uh unless there's another injury. So I just I think he's probably always going to be on the periphery, just a guy who, uh, who will come in and hit some threes for you, and that's very helpful in the NBA. But I don't think he's going to have the role that a lot of people think, that, that some people seem to think he will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat>
0: but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, moving on, it's, uh, it was, uh, I mean, one thing from, from tonight's game is that uh, guys shot well. Um, you know, as much as the, the Pistons have been struggling overall, overall, having a string of games in which both Galloway and Kennard shot poorly. I mean, those are, for better or worse, two guys who are just very important to the Pistons, and in, the Pistons are in trouble if they're both shooting poorly. So, uh, and I'm a little concerned with what will happen to Kennard's uh, time of the ball when Jackson comes back, because he's actually done very, very well. Uh, on the pick and roll, and just in terms of how many points he generates and, and the assists he generates, and uh, if if suddenly you've got Jackson in the starting lineup, um, and you know you got Rose on the bench, I don't know. This, this team is still kind of mismatched. It's tough to play. It's tough to, to coach the team. I think in a way that really maximizes everybody. Uh, a good coach, I think, could do it, but I don't think Dwayne Casey is a good coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll. <laughs> yeah when Jackson comes back, at least at first, just because even when he was playing earlier this season, he he looked a little bit slow. Uh, Maybe they'll take him back to that off-ball role where he was uh, just shooting threes off of Blake Griffin uh, kickouts, and I'd be fine with that role. For Kennard? I think
0: it's a waste. Um, Oh, no, 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 for Jackson. Oh, for Jackson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Uh, well, I think that would be a waste too, unfortunately. Um, Oh, yeah? At least insofar as Jackson, well, it depends on how Jackson comes back looking. Uh, Pardon me. Depends on how Jackson uh, comes back looking. If he comes back looking uh, fairly athletic, uh, great. You know, this was supposed to be his healthy offseason when he was going to come back with with some of the explosiveness that he once had. Uh, If he can do that, it's a complete waste to not have him on the pick and roll even if you can't do that, it's sort of a waste to not have them in the pick and roll. Of course, you always want to have more options. You always you want to have more, uh, more weapons and, uh, and you know, great if you can do that. So, yeah, like I said, it's really going to depend on, on how he looks <laughs> like Jackson. We remember how he looked when he came back from injury last time and the time before that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, the Pistons fans should have kind of nightmares, especially about the time. And uh, what is it three seasons ago?
1: I want to say 2017. Yes,
0: 2016, 2017. Of course, a lot of that can be laid at the feet of Stan Van Gundy, who seemed to think that Jackson was an all-star when he was one of the worst players in the league that season. So, uh, yeah. um, I mean, just uh, something to uh, to highlight about Langston Galloway. Uh, Nobody should expect him to keep up his hot shooting from earlier in the season. Number one, he was unbelievably hot. I mean, very few players can keep up in the high 40s in uh, in catching and, catch- and shoot threes. It's just, yeah. I mean, you've got a very very small subset, and uh, and uh, for a guy like Langston Galloway, that's not reasonable to accept, uh, to expect rather. He's also notoriously hot and cold, across stretches of games.
1: Yeah, you know,
0: uh, I shut. Yeah, yeah, I shudder to think of what would have happened. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way: if not for Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard, and um. And at times, Derek Rose and Drummond in the odd game. Like, if, if the Pistons didn't have guys who had just completely exploded and, and just had ridiculous games, several, you, know, uh, you know, multiple guys, you know, sometimes three, uh, who just went nuts in one game, the Pistons could have easily gone into tonight's game, a two win team. Yeah. So I think they've really been punching above their weight in terms of offense because you don't go from one of the worst offensive teams to one of the best in the space of a season just because you added Derrick Rose and Tony Snell and Marquise Morris. It <laughs> helps, but best to, you know, worst to best. No. So, uh, moving on, I know I've been talking for a while, but, uh, to come back to the perpetual Christian Wood versus Thon maker debate, I don't think it's much of a debate amongst fans. <laughs> no. Uh, and rightly so. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah, you know, case credit, yeah.
1: he only played Thon for <clears throat> two minutes tonight. He was minus five.
0: Uh, yeah, I think he held Thon accountable. Thon got torched on defense. Uh, he, he came in on off. I mean, he's. I think Casey's sole reason for playing Thon is that he's got this idea in his head that Thon is a decent defender, which is sadly very far from the truth. <laughs> Thon has, by every metric, gotten slaughtered on defense this season. Uh, the only thing he has done acceptably well is to pretend the ri- protect the rim rather. and uh, this is on like the far, far, far edge of acceptable uh, you know, and really probably not even acceptable at all. He's in the low 60 s, which is terrible. I'm, I'm just gonna say it's it's bad. <clears throat> I mean, it's not heinously bad. it's not uh, uh, you know NS cancer bad, but uh, it's it's not good enough. Uh, in every other category, he's just been awful. As an on-ball defender, he is terrible. He gets bullied in the post. He gets uh, he gets outrun uh, on the perimeter. He if he's switched on, he's done. He can't move his feet fast enough. He's too clumsy. So yeah, he's just he's he's bad at everything on defense. On offense, of course, you know he's got a fairly good true shooting percentage. I give him that. Uh, but that's just because he's done fairly well uh, decently this season from three-point range on very low volume, and his offense in general has been on very low volume. So he just he provides you very, very little on offense. He is an appallingly bad rebounder, and he is a foul machine. Like if you were playing, um, yeah, it's I think he's averaging about uh, four and a half fouls per, uh, per under possessions, which is the worst on the team. Uh it's just, if you were to ask, what is Thon Maker good at? There's really nothing that comes to mind. So, uh, you know, I know Christian Wood, not all his games have been good, but he's he's been very good. And the team has just been much better with him on the, uh, excuse me. he's He's been quite good. And the team has been much better with him on the floor.
1: Yeah. And at the very least, he brings energy and effort that even if Thon tries to emulate it, he's just not nearly as effective. Like Christian Wood was getting rebounds where there was two or three people around him and he would just he would come out of there with the ball and it didn't look right against especially against a guy like Mo Bamba who's just physically a freak of nature it's kind of crazy to see a guy even though Christian Wood is like 6'10 or something uh, Bamba just he's just huge even compared to that so there's just no reason to me for Thon to even be getting those first couple minutes. I understand why, because uh, Thon kind of forced his way out of Milwaukee, or he he has to be moved from Milwaukee because he wanted more opportunity, and Casey's given him that. He's given him more than uh, he deserves, if you ask me. But oh yeah, uh, I'm I'm just fine with the fact that we didn't see him after those first couple minutes, and if he if he drops out of the rotation completely, I'd be okay with that too. Uh, oh yeah, I really like. What Christian Wood brings to the team he shoots I don't have the stats in front of me but just from my own memory he shoots the three ball pretty well on low volume but he shoots it when he needs to he doesn't force anything Uh, they don't run any offense for him he just kind of scraps his way into points and I really like that about him I think he was just an underrated pickup but he he really does deserve uh more minutes especially if Drummond is going to be slouching like he was tonight. Uh, I'm glad that we have a guy in Christian Wood that we're all happy to go to him, at least for right now. You know, I think if if he drops off a little bit or he, he goes back to uh, missing his defensive assignments, people will might turn on him a little bit. But one thing I always do when I think of a player and their value, I always try to put it in the context of their contract. And for a minimum contract guy who was almost – not even on the roster for Joe Johnson. I'm absolutely okay with pretty much everything that Christian Wood has brought to this point.
0: Oh yeah, Absolutely. And uh, yeah, he's been a super efficient scorer from three point range. He's in the forties, which is great, but he's just, he's, he's a very good scorer. Occasionally he tries to do a little bit too much, uh, but I've noticed that's generally when the offense has just run off the rails and it becomes ice ball. Uh, but it's just, he seems to be a real conscientious player who genuinely wants to uh, do the best he can for the team. Uh, he works hard. The um, you know, despite what what may be said about his defense, he's actually been an able on-ball defender. He can switch on the perimeter. He can move quickly enough to stay with guys. Uh, he's he's quick enough uh, and athletic enough to compensate for others' mistakes from time to time. Like if somebody blows an assignment, there's a guy wide open a three point line. It'll probably be Christian Wood trying to sprint his way out there and uh, and cover it. And he's made his share of mistakes off ball. I've noticed that those have those have uh, become less and less over the past few games. But uh, I think either way, I mean the guy is better than Thon by default. But <laughs> I think uh, if the Pistons can maintain him, I mean he, it's there aren't. Really a great deal of guys actually who can play both power forward and, and center these days. He'd be valuable even, even if the Pistons, even if Marquise should leave and the Pistons uh, should just keep him to play mostly backup power forward minutes, that's not bad. And I wish they would run more offense through him. Uh, he's he's quite good on the pick and roll. When he rolls hard to the basket, uh, he's bouncy. He's real bouncy and he's long. And I wish they would run more wild plays for him. And, yeah, when he grabs the ball into the basket, he's excellent at putbacks. Uh, do, you think, just, uh, a, yeah, do you think he's got a super
1: bendy can, body? Yeah. yeah uh, just going back to that discussion we had about uh, Luke's role when Jackson comes back, do you think you, you mentioned you want to see uh, Luke run the pick and roll more? Do you think that would be a, a viable combo off the bench? Of Luke course. I mean, if Wood? he is.
0: As long as you have a guy who can set screens. I mean, that's another thing Thon can't do. He can't set screens. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's it's pathetic. I mean, it's it's just it's hilarious. Half the time, he will pretend to set a screen and then just slip toward the basket, uh, which is doubly funny in that even if he gets the ball, he's almost certain to, to do nothing with it. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, would, uh, I guess. I mean, it's just, again, trouble is going to be sharing the ball between he and Derek Rose if they're both coming off the bench. So, okay. yeah. So there's that. I think. I think at this point, I mean, of course, we're in a very critical uh, stretch of the schedule, mm-hmm. and I think it can go. I, I think a lot is going to be determined uh, of the season by how things go right now. It's good to see Griffin kind of making a return to form, though he's going to have to be very good. I mean, he's, he's the Pistons are basically going to need out of him what they had last, what they what they got last season. Or close to it. Uh, here's the thing: so the East is really bad and it's super top heavy. The Pistons, even right now, uh, being uh, what is it, five games below 500, are still not far out of the eight seed. Uh, however, like you'd have a situation very similar to that which you had last year. There are there are a few very good teams at the top of the standings, and if you just basically back your way in the playoffs, you're going to end up playing against a very good team that is going to slaughter you. I mean, the Pistons uh, just – I don't think in a playoff series really stand much of a chance against the likes of Toronto, Milwaukee, or Boston. So if you – you know, sure, you might be able to get in even with uh, like a worse record than the Pistons managed last season. I mean, it's it's it has not been out of the question over the past five seasons, five or six seasons. I don't remember how long it's been – for teams to make the playoffs when they're below 500. Like there are seven teams above 500 in the league right now. The Pistons are six, excuse me in the, in the Eastern conference, uh, the Pistons are six and 11 and they are one game behind the magic for the eight seed. So people yeah. I've seen people, I've seen people cite that as, you know, there's no panic, but again, you don't want to get like the seventh or eighth seed and get annihilated in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah actually looking at the, as said, at the um at the uh the standings all by myself a little bit there um there are actually five good teams right now between the sixers the raptors celtics the heat who have been surprising and the bucks though i don't think the heat will last yeah so yeah if, if the pistons can win like ideally f- 3 out of the next 4 then suddenly you are 9 and 12 and that's not good but you've got a decent you know, you're in not a horrible position. Uh, if the Pistons don't manage that, then suddenly you're going into a very difficult schedule in December and January and down the stretch, like the Pistons last season. One of the reasons they made the playoffs uh, was that they had this super easy six week stretch in uh, I believe February into early March. Or uh, uh, Yeah, I, I think that was it. Maybe I'm missing it by a couple of weeks and uh, everything came together at the everybody was playing well like Blake got a little bit worse but Drummond and Galloway and Kennard and Jackson were all playing very well and the Pistons down the stretch this year will face a brutal schedule
1: yep so but this time it'll be sort of like leading right up to the trade deadline so uh yeah maybe it'll be leading up, a little clear
0: <laughs> it'll be leading up to the trade deadline but even after the trade deadline it's the schedule is still gonna be very difficult Uh, Hmm. The Pistons did get dealt a little bit of a bad hand on the schedule. I mean, part of it was the injuries, but though they had a relatively easy quality of competition for the first, uh, you know, through the early stages of the season until the beginning of December, they had a lot of back-to-backs. They played a ton of games in a short period, but it was mostly the injuries. Uh, the injuries and and poor coaching, in my opinion, were your were your biggest factors. Because of course, if you have a healthy Blake Griffin in the mix, I think the Pistons would probably be over five hundred by now, or at this stage. Uh, uh, you know, but they don't. They don't have a healthy Reggie Jackson. They don't really have a healthy Derrick Rose. He's, he's missed time, and uh, that's what happens when you play the NBA equivalent of Russian roulette. Russian, you know, roster equivalent of Russian roulette when you just, you have three out of your Four most important, five most important players. The other two being Drummond and Canard are very injured. prone.
1: yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, you yep. have you have to hope, like you said, that these these next what you say next three games uh, we play next, the Hornets twice and the Spurs, yep, yeah, and then the, the, the Hornets, Cavs.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, Spurs are not a very good team this season. Uh, no, this not at all. The year, yeah, they're five games below five hundred. Granted, they're a much more difficult conference. But, uh, and this may be the year they finally miss the playoffs. They're more or less, you know, what the Red Wings used to be in the NBA <laughs> uh, in terms of, uh, you know, being a at least perennial playoff team. Uh, though they've, they're kind of, the decline is mirrored that of the Red Wings. Uh, because, you know, they did find, Kawhi was the gem they found in the draft, but Kawhi's gone now. So, ends the. Actually, as yeah, first time I thought of it, yeah, they're 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 very very close to NBA analog to to the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, these are all winnable games. Charlotte's not a good team, like by any means, no. Uh, they the Pistons again. I think if that game against Charlotte hadn't been so poorly coached, like Casey letting the offense run into nothing during the second half and forgetting about Kennard in the process, uh, that was an easily winnable game. The Pistons really really should. Have to, to 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 take advantage of these next few games. Of course, you know I'm I'm beating a dead horse here. You know everybody knows this, but uh, I part of me feels like there is still time and space for the for this roster to really come together over the course of the season, and maybe come playoffs, make some noise. Provided they don't end up the seventh or eighth seed, which is uh, more or less a, they're going to get the crap eaten out of them. Probably you don't want to play the Bucks yep. again. You don't, uh, no. the Raptors are not quite as dangerous, but you, uh, you don't want to play. I'm not as impressed with the Sixers this season. I think you really, really don't want to play the Celtics, the Bucks, uh, or the Raptors. But I think I went into the season actually kind of cautiously optimistic as you had a much deeper team, uh, and some players who made growth and, you know, who, who, who you know, who would see some growth. And, uh, you know, I will give Dwayne Casey the most meager of praise. The guy finally has learned the art of the off-ball screen, which is like the easiest <laughs> thing. <laughs> yep. he's, he's finally starting to do some incredibly obvious things like run uh, Griffin Drummond Pick and Rolls, which were a staple in uh in in between Blake and DeAndre under Doc Rivers. And um like tonight, it's like, oh, Rose. And Wood ran a pick-and-roll, and that attracted attention. And suddenly, Luke was open. And it's like, wow, you can do two things at once. Amazing. <laughs> well, Luke was open, and Luke took it and ran around another screen, rather, I think. And it's like, yeah, you can run two things simultaneously rather than just throwing something and hoping it works. But you've, you've got a decent... So I'll put it this way. I mean, I think if Jackson comes back and he's healthy, if Bruce Brown can hit his threes at a decent clip and stay in the starting lineup, if Snell plays okay... If Drummond stays, excuse me, if Griffin stays healthy, Drummond plays decently well, and then you've got a decent bench after that. And, you know, who knows? Maybe the Pistons can work their way up to, you know, the sixth seed or something, the sixth, maybe even the fifth seed. Who knows? This team has that potential if Casey does a decent job as well. But that's, you're asking for an awful lot to come together.
1: Yeah. And even then, I'm not sure if I even want to get up there we already have the uh, i think we have the record for most consecutive playoff losses I'm not looking to <laughs> extend that any further but yeah absolutely if they they put it all together succeed when the eastern conference not out of the question at all but it definitely does start with these next four games uh two against the hornets one against a, a slipping and sliding san antonio spurs team and uh then against the Cavs. so
0: yeah, the Cavs are just bad and deliberately.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, uh, I mean, I guess you can hope for uh, three games, three wins out of that, maybe maybe four. I just – I really don't have faith in this team just yet to, to, to win all the games that they're supposed to win. So uh, I'm yeah, going to go uh, yeah. conservative and do like a two and two.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think – I think the Pistons conceivably have it in them to win all four games. Uh, a lot of that's going to depend on Blake Griffin and, um, and again, on coaching. I mean, my, I, I've been been pretty clear about this. My, my opinion on Dwayne Casey is that he's a coach who can lose you games. He's rarely a coach who is going to who's going who's gonna to turn a loss into a win. So he needs to not screw up and make his team worse. Uh, beyond that, um, you know, you've you've got to, of course, have the shooting, uh, but. It's just, like, this team is is, uh, is grinding out wins, uh, you know, the wins it's gotten over, I don't know, we'll put it this way. The team is not playing super well right now. And when you go with not playing super well, and then suddenly you've got a schedule full of games against Western Conference teams, <laughs> like you're playing the Lakers and the Nuggets and, you know, what have you, uh, things are going to go rapidly downhill if you haven't gotten your shit together. But you want to give Absolutely. yourself a decent cushion either way. And uh, the, uh, so, if, I mean, if they can go uh, into December 10 and 11, then I think you got some, some more hope for the season. Even if they can't do that, I think if they really get things together by the new year, then they'll probably end up in the playoffs. But, you know, everything, most things have gone wrong so far this season. There's certainly time to turn it around, but you know much like you, I don't want a mediocre end of the season. I don't want them to squeak into the seventh three the eighth seed and get obliterated again, mm-hmm. even if they win a game, it's like this is not ideal however, I think if they can work their way into like the the fifth seed, which is probably unlikely, but uh remotely possible, then I think that's significant progress. I know you're in favor of the tank, but <laughs> uh you kind of got to look at what's really, I got. I, I mean, I, I think we can both agree that with, uh, with the, uh, the team's current ownership, that's unlikely to happen. Yeah. Unless the Pistons it, are like 15 games below 500 at the trade deadline.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I mean, like I've been kind of hoping uh, that they would lose a, l- a few more games, which I know that sounds horrible to say, but, and then there are games like tonight where, you know, the young guys get run and and they do well and I don't mind those those wins at all. You know, I thought tonight was a good game. I enjoyed it for what that game was. But yeah. Overall, uh these next four games I think are going to really put the the playoff picture and the future uh into uh into more uh clear focus of what we can realistically expect throughout the rest of the year. Yeah,
0: yeah, I completely agree. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think we're with it on this and it would just be the worst for the team to just, uh, be mediocre again this season. I think by the trade deadline, you either want the Pistons solidly in the race for the seed at least, uh, or like, but put it this way, you either want this team to be, to be good, uh, or really, really bad Yeah, and nothing in between. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, but absolutely. I mean, just yeah, just uh, I mean, just to expand it, because I mean, uh, one of the I think one of the big issues with the Pistons, certainly with respect to the fan base and and attendance at home games, is still really really bad. Is that there's so little to be excited about? I mean, most teams have something to be excited about. Most fan bases, rather, uh, yeah. like the bad teams have. Young players. It's like among young players, like the Hawks. Okay, you have got Trey Young and John Collins, and um, who do they Kevin pick Herder. this year? There's Kevin Carter, uh, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Hunter. Cam Reddish, yeah, that's right. Uh, of course, right now they're you know as good as Trey Young could possibly. It could probably be, of course. Uh, I think that um, you know the ownership of the Hawks is they're probably tearing their uh, you know their chest hair out at the fact that they they made that deal with the Mavericks because <laughs> you know whether or not Luka can sustain it, he has been. I didn't think the guy had it in and be a superstar. I thought he'd be a very good player, but with um, like, a, like a, fr- a friend of mine put it well, is that, you know, the guy was always going to have a high floor. He might not have a super high ceiling, but he's going to have a high floor. Uh, he's been spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, even if you're a Hawks fan and you say Trey could be a very good scorer, I doubt he will ever be as good as, uh, I doubt he's going to be that good. But.
1: Uh, yeah, since the other know, part of that was Cam Reddish, you don't feel too good about that.
0: Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, as the Hawks, you've got a decent young team and uh, and they' they absolutely have the reset button, um, you know, locked down already they've they've got complete control of their future. The Bulls have some decent young guys. Uh, again, I think that they're much like the Pistons and that their Achilles heel is is ownership they perpetually keep an incompetent front office and uh, mm-hmm but you know they've got some they've got some good young guys if you look in the in the western conference i mean the warriors i think it's hilarious it's like you are the most dominant team you know you're going to be missing clay thompson for the season you're probably not going to make the playoffs and then suddenly you're in an awesome position to get maybe a number 1 overall pick
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that's ridiculous
1: it really is i mean it's, if they end up with wiseman i don't know man just throw it throw it in it goes back to what it was for like the last 5 years where everybody kind of knew <laughs> what was going to happen until Toronto actually took it. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy to me that they just continue to put themselves in position to win like that.
0: It was purely coincidental. I mean, oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you take Thompson out, uh, Draymond's going to get worse every time you lose any superstar offensive talent. Cause he's not a good scorer. He's uh, not a good shooter. And then Curry suddenly, everybody thought he was poised for like a repeat of, of 2015, 2016 season where he was just uh, incredibly good. Like one of the greatest yeah. uh, all-time individual seasons in, in NBA history, mm-hmm. and then he goes out maybe for the entire season. So, uh, but you know, if you're the Grizzlies, uh, John Morant looks real good. Jaron Jackson Jr. looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're the Thunder, and Brandon as well. Yeah. Oh, has he? I'm. i haven't been watching. Yeah. Randy no. Clark, yeah. He's been.
1: He's been really good for them. Quietly good, yeah. but he's been really nice for them.
0: Yeah. And um, if you're the Thunder, you got shy and a boatload of draft picks. Uh, Obviously, the Pelicans, (laughs) you know what they got. Uh, The Kings have got a good young team. The Suns have got a good team, you know, good young team. I think they're going to start sliding in the standings now, or they already have. But the point is, there are just very, very few teams that have not had one of two things. Uh, You know, something to be excited about in the future or success in the recent past. Yeah. Uh, Those... Uh, the teams that fall into that category, uh, I would say, are the Pistons and the Knicks, and nobody else. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually, the Hornets, perhaps, unless you consider Miles Bridges and PJ Washington to be really yeah. exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's gotten to the point—not uh, to discount what the G League is, but we've got guys posting Sekou's G League highlights, I and mean, that's that's what we're getting excited about. And uh, it's I mean, it's nice to yeah. see that he's shooting well, but. You, you you really wish that there was more to it than that. Like, even Blake hasn't looked really much like himself. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's only yeah, fun absolutely. when guys are really hitting their shots.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, I'm always in for good team basketball, and that's, that's enjoyable to watch. There's always this uh, this nagging, and I try to stay in the present and not think about uh, about where the the Pistons are positioned in, in the greater scheme of things. It's like, you know what, it's this season, I'm going to enjoy it as much as I can. But man, when they are playing poorly, especially over a, a protracted stretch, it's like, what does this? Do? What do we as fans really have to look forward to in this situation? Uh, yeah, and you sure, you know. The yeah, yeah, I know you are. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I was as well for a while, and I think I just got kind of pounded into the submission over the last couple of seasons. And it's like, okay, I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy whatever I can here because first you got Stan Van Gundy. Uh, you know, above him you've got Tom Gorez, who is who's real bad too, and he's not going anywhere. Uh, but you know, we talk a little bit about about Seku and about Jordan Bone. Uh, you know, Seku was fairly good uh, by G League standards. Of course, the, the gap between G League and NBA is enormous, like gigantic. Uh, Christian Wood was was uh, a deity amongst men in the in the G League, uh, and, and he's pretty good in the NBA, but. Like, even Darren Hilliard, uh, some Pistons fans will remember, he was one of the second-round selections that Stan Van Gundy whiffed on and then threw away after a couple of seasons. Uh, he did really well in the G League in his limited time there. So, uh, you know, some skills that Sekou has that are translatable. Uh, he shoots, he's shoots. he been shooting his threes well. That's obviously, if you can shoot threes, that's going to 100% translate to the NBA. He's looked fairly good going downhill toward the basket. And... Um, you know, he's patient. He seems to not really force things and, uh, you know, looks like he's got a good attitude and he works hard. Uh, Jordan bone, uh, you know, he might be a guy I think tops who's going to make uh, a decent, you know, third string point guard in the NBA is uh, number one. He's got crocodile arms, which hurts. He doesn't really have much sense of scoring at the basket. Uh, he really relies on mid range jumpers a little bit too much. And, um, He's you know, super athletic and that helps, but uh, just in terms of offensive IQ, he just isn't all that great. So, yeah, and, and that pretty much uh, is the entirety of the uh, the prospect covered for this organization right now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from <laughs> uh, David Servetus, who is currently doing very poorly in his EuroLeague. Uh, that that move continues to be a head scratcher for me. You, you, you basically you had a shot at, at some some readily available guys. You could have taken a, a flyer on Ball Ball you know, for when for when Drummond's departs the team or or somebody. And uh, yeah, if instead, we're
1: taking like a backup center at thirty something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I have no trouble like letting these guys develop. Like I know I, I just said that like Sekou in the G League is boring. I'm fine with him being there and developing as long as he shows progress but right now there's just there's not much that's exciting that's yeah that's true
0: yeah and uh, i mean that, that was one of the things for me that made it a slightly curious pick uh of course you had this this organization that's in this perpetual per, just perpetually weird place of wanting to quote unquote compete now we know what that means yeah i uh, mean that that is uh, the Uh, philosophy of of Tom Gores, of course, I want you to make the playoffs every season. And am I going to ignore the fact that my refusal to let you rebuild and my persistent hiring of or employment of incompetent (laughs) personnel uh, in coaching and management, though I'll say that Stefanski and company have been simply average rather than bad. Uh, Yeah, he's like, so I want to compete right now. And, uh, and also we want to plan for the future. So it's like, yeah, you have a lottery level talent that falls to you at, uh, at, uh, number 15, I believe the Pistons picked. Yep. So, you know, do you take that or you take a guy who can maybe help you right now? Like, um, you know, I know, um, uh, Alexander Walker isn't doing great, but that's potentially your point guard of the future there. And, uh, you know, it's something for the You got a young player about whom the fans can get excited now. And you've in the larger context, like, okay, we've got a decent young core on this team who can, who can develop and come up. Uh, but in, instead, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a bad decision. It was a curious decision, but, but dumping number 30 for Jordan bone, uh, like a future second round pick. And the guy who's probably almost certainly never going to be anything more than a complimentary player in the NBA was, uh, it was a completely and utterly bizarre to me.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes it's hard to you know. kind of gauge what the direction that the front office wants or what it is rather. I, I mean, I guess we'll see. It, it seems like they're kind of playing both sides. Like they have this guy who's uh, a development, a developmental piece and they they talk about this young core of players, but, and like they talk about all the young guys that they have, but, they're all like end of the bench or not very good. So it's like, they, they want to say they have youth, but they're also contending, but they don't really do either of them very well.
0: Yeah. Oh, who knows? I mean, it's like, sure. Kyrie Thomas is injured now, but I get the feeling that Casey would have brought him, but would have brought Zvi off the bench ahead of him regardless. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we'll, we'll ever know what we have in that guy. Uh, he was actually mocked in, in the first round is, is a solid three and D NBA player with potential starter, uh, you know, starter potential rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, he, to have to be on a team who had who had enough ball handling because the guy's never going to handle the ball well. It's just not one of his strengths. But uh, I mean, there's also the fact that that the front office selected two shooting guards with their picks in that draft. So who knows? Uh, it's all yep. kind of a mess right now. And I think I think the <laughs> the best uh, best Pistons fans can do right now is just hope that, is just hope for the best and the present and leave the future to the future. But that's easier said than done. So. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, Hope you all have a happy Thanksgiving and we will catch you in the next episode.